Welcome back to The Daily Drum on WHUR, Sirius XM Channel 141, 96.3 HD2 and 98.3 FM. This is the Insights segment. I'm Harold Fisher. We're back for another edition of Take Back Our Community Thursday. It's a chance to have important conversations with activists and organizations that are doing their best to make our community better. My guests are Ayanna Osborne, case manager with Hope for Housing, Keith Turner, founder of the No Black on Black Crime Movement, and Tia Bell, founder of the Trigger Project. Lines are open if you have a comment or a question. Give us a call at 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Of course, you can X me at H Fisher WHUR or find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Thank you all for coming in and talking to us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you for having me. Let let me Tia, let me start with you. Because, you know, we've had an opportunity to to chat before when we we're talking about communities in crisis, particularly as it relates to young people. How would you characterize what's going on right now in, in Washington, D.C. with these very, very young people with the carjackings and the robberies and, and, and the like? Yeah, I, I believe that. First and foremost, we see a lot of narrative um, around the word senseless. And I believe 100% in my soul that everything we're seeing right now actually makes sense. If we look at violence not just as a crime, but youth violence as a disease, it spreads through model behavior. And there are risk factors that are associated with youth violence, perpetration, and victimization that I just think are completely ignored by our system. Um, in our city, we have more bills and legislation uh, that are circling around for the protection of police more than the protection of our children. And so I think it's a manifestation of, of years of, of, you know, cutting funding, defunding, um, moving funding, disinvestment in youth development, a lack of understanding for youth, blame on youth, and there's a famous African proverb that says the youth will burn its village down to fill its warmth. And I think they've been cold and unheard and ignored for far too long. And now we're seeing what, what we're seeing today. Mm. Yeah, Ayana, you're nodding your head about what Tia is sharing with us. Your, your thoughts about what she was saying. My thoughts are is they are so not in touch with their feelings. They don't know um they don't know what to do with their feelings. I'm working on a project that is going to have families patching together their families for wellness and identifying those strengths and those weaknesses within the family and how each family member needs to make sure that they are taking care of themselves, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally, too, to be able to get through the things that life bears already that they're born into and it's just so sad that the other day i saw these fellas fighting and i pulled over quickly they were just playing but i called i pulled over to make sure they were just playing and the guy says to me he said well who are you and i mm. told him I'm just a person who was worried that y'all were hitting each other. He said, people don't care. 
And I said, but I do care. Um, and the felt is just so amazing. My children get after me all the time that you're not super. But if I see what is happening right in front of me, I'm not. It's not on me. God didn't allow my big mouth to see this happening and for me not to try to mediate the situation. And there's a project that I'm currently working on as being a mediator ambassador for D.C. where we want D.C. to know that those services are available for these families um, to, to just deal with certain things where you have a person that has no reason to steer you wrong and and needing help on building strengths within these families and identifying helps and mental helps from the beginning mm -hmm. they got to get school physicals they also need to get mental physicals mm -hmm. uh, um i want to drill down a little bit uh, about that in just a bit but you know keith your your movement, the, the No Black on Black Crime Movement, I mean, even by its title, is it's not, it's not something that's new. We've, <laughs> we've been hearing this for decades. We've been hearing this since you and I were kids. Yeah. So what, what is new about this movement and why are you so focused on it? Thank you. Most of the movements that we've we've dealt with in the past, they were focused on that particular section. This one that God gave me is a movement across the United States. Mm -hmm. And with that being across the United States, I have to reach out and grab and get in touch with everyone. The youth, the gang members, the the adults. And with this, as far as this movie being so different. We're coming together on, an, on, on a particular date, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, to show the world, to show, first prove to ourselves, second, to show, show the world that we aren't what they think we are, what we portrayed. Because I did a survey with, now it's eight, eight people who weren't black, okay? And I asked, I asked three questions, and I asked them to be totally honest. These were some business and some associates. Yeah, is that like a focus group? Right. Of, yeah. And I said, tell me what... What you think of us, no, what we've displayed to you, what you've heard about us, and what impression you have of us. And it was not good. And some of the things that they said, and I said, no, I just want them to be totally honest because I'm very direct, I'm very honest, straightforward. And they said that we're crabs in a barrel, we act like crabs in a barrel. Man, you all will never pull together. You guys can't come together on anything, you know. Um, you, um, we're crabs in a barrel, we can't come together on anything to accomplish anything. We um, are more pressed to look good and for fashion, we'll have a car and won't have a house or an apartment really to live in. The car is more more, more valuable than our, our house. We're living with our moms. So many things they said about us that I refuse to accept that. I don't want to believe that, so I have to do something about that. And the dreams that came to me in January to do this movement, I, I, I write them down. My dreams are special dreams. And I write them down. And, and they... they all have been totally successful from the football camp for the youth that I had 15 I had for 14 years and each year I raised 15 scholarships for youth kids that I did not know you understand this movement is going to show us are we what they say we are or aren't we and and so far it's been great because a lot of the youth who I've gone out in the street to talk to now I've talked to some criminals 
kids who are, who are, who, are, who will be categorized as criminals active right now. And um, and then some who used to be even the guy who came and cut my grass was shot in the head. He was shot in the head. Well, you're looking like that. But my family was murdered. You understand when I was little. So he was shot in the head and he said that he still didn't turn his life around. He said he didn't wake up and he didn't change his life until some something happened to him one night when he was sleeping again. And it was and it scared him. That dream scared him. And he said it was God. Two oh two three one nine seven eight one zero. 202-319-7810. We're having another take it take back our community Thursday conversation, talking to activists, talking to uh, community groups, uh, grassroots organizations, uh, service organizations in our community that are working to make our communities, to make our our neighborhoods better. And safer. If you have a comment, if you have a question, give us a call at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. You know, Keith, one of the things that you just said to me was, I was struck by it. Why do you believe that it is important to, to know or to care what the they think about us? Uh, honestly... I, I care. I, I do this. I tell everyone, consider the source. But usually if four or five people tell you the same thing and they've never conversed with each other, it's usually true. It's usually what you're showing them. And so it does matter to me what our race displays. That's a reflection of me. That's a reflection of you. And I care. I, I'm very, very, very passionate about my people. It's not prejudice. I'm not prejudiced. You know, I'm very passionate about my people. So it does matter to me what these young folks are portraying because they don't look at all the things that I'm doing or you're doing. Uh, they're looking at what the, 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 the negativity, you know, and it's no different than, than what they're portraying on TV, the movies, you know, they, they're, they're huge contributors to answer your question. When you, when you were talking to the young lady over here, they're huge. TV and movies are a huge contributor to what's going on out here because they think it's the style. It's the fashion. Think about it. Back in the day, when we first started, when they started shooting guns, they were straight up, like I'm pointing now, just straight ahead. They got to turn sideways off a of TV. You adopt what you see. And there aren't too many positive movies out here and shows out here about us. Mm. Do you agree with what he's sharing with us, Tia? I was praying you could, you could pass the ball to me next. I, I agree 1 million percent. Um, the reason I started the Trigger Project, and, and Trigger stands for True Reasons I Grabbed the Gun Evolved from Rick Project. And we named it that. I named it without you because we needed the national conversation to understand that this isn't, a, we don't want to normalize this behavior. And we don't need you normalizing the behavior. We need help. We're crying out for help. Gun violence spreads again through model behavior. So information, like Ms. Ayana was saying, uh, uh, comes in the form of emotions for us. Emotions tell us information. If, if we're overwhelmed, if we're frustrated, if we're stressed, those are three different levels of feeling. And so we need, um, you know, a, a space to feel. Um, we need models, role models, to show us how to feel, how to cope, how to express. And, and most importantly, we need to shape our identity, again, not through the images that are portrayed or the, or the narratives on the news, uh, but, you know, from our culture, from our history, from our value to society. 
And right now, gun violence is exploding with the nation really feels about black people. It's the number one cause of death for black men, for black youth, and the second leading cause of death for black women. If this was cancer or uh, AIDS or, or obesity, it would be public campaign everywhere. Yeah. I, I'm going to go to the phone lines, but before I do, I want to give uh, each of you an opportunity to share your your organization's contact information or individual contact information, because uh, as always, that information will be posted on our website on WHUR.com so that those who are interested in helping to support you or to join in helping to support the communities that you are trying to help so uh, ayana how can people find out about a hope for housing what what's is there a website what do you want to share yes for hope for housing i can be contacted at ayana a-y-a-n-a dot osborne o-s-b-o-r-n-e at l-a-y-c dash d-c dot org mm-hmm. and for my personal um facebook um instagram it is at south lawn s-o-u-t-h l-a-w-l-a-w-n n yes sir mm-hmm. uh go right ahead keith your website yeah it's no black crime.com no black crime no black crime.com okay and uh tia Yes, we are thetriggerproject.org. Thetriggerproject.org. Thank you all so much. As I said, I will make sure that that information is on our website on whur.com in addition to uh, the podcast, which is on every night so that you can uh, hear if you want to hear this program uh, again in its uh, entirety. 202 319-7810-202-319-7810. 319-7810-202-319-7810. This is our Take Back Our Community Thursday, a chance to have important conversations with activists, organizations, individuals who are doing their level best to make our community better. Again, if you have a comment or a question, Bradley calling from Southeast D.C., we're going to talk to you. Also, Patricia calling from Glendale. We're going to be talking to you as well. So please stay with us. The Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. Don't forget you can download the 96.3 HD2 app on your smartphone and hear the program live in its entirety. So if you're on the phone, stay with us. We will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141 and 96.3 HD2. John Mons is next with the original Quiet Storm. That's on WHUR. We'll be back with this conversation in just a few seconds. Welcome back to The Daily Drum on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. This is Take Back Our Community Thursday. We are talking with organizations and people who are the boots on the ground for making our community safer, for making our community better. My guests are Ayanna Osborne, case manager with Hope for Housing, Keith Turner, founder of the No Black on Black Crime Movement, and Tia Bell, founder of The Trigger Project. 
If you have a comment or a question, give us a call at 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Let's go to Bradley calling from Southeast D.C. Bradley, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Yes, my name is Brandon Bates, uh, uh, Mr. Fisher. Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to, let me turn uh, your, your background down, sir. Yeah, so please. Yeah, turn your radio he, off. Yeah. This is, yeah, the gentleman really, which is, uh, his name was... Uh, Keith. Keith. Yeah. He really struck me when he, thought he spread himself so thin universally. But Yana, I felt what he was getting at because right now in D.C., which I lived here for 60 years, my family been here 101 years since 1922 as I go back. D.C. is at a rate now to maybe be the war on, on, on crime. Because when you know it was uh, uh, the city was uh, 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 turned over in the 80s, you know, when them, them, the murders, the high murder rate. Right, yeah, during the, during the uh, okay, late and 80s, and during, the, the, during the crack lady, epidemic, yeah. The young, the young lady, Ayana, trigger all of y'all for what y'all doing in hope. All of y'all what y'all doing. But this is for that brother. Since you're universal, we talking about local things now. Because this thing go all the way to Africa right now. Because they born there. Babies are dying there. But we talking about deep sea. We talking about carjacking, black on black crime. Okay, when this was chocolate city. So Bradley, so what's your point? No, I ain't trying to make a point. I just want him to know. Oh, I think that's why we're having this conversation. And I appreciate your passion. And uh, and I hope that you are doing what you can to spread uh, a positive word in your community. So thank you so much for your com- your comments. Patricia, calling from Glendale. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Oh, good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yeah, go right ahead, dear. Okay, I commend your um, your your uh, your presenters. You know, they all have good ideas. I, but this, you know, this time the uh, the youth crime that we're experiencing right now, it's a three. There are many prongs that need to be extended in order to curtail it. But the main thing that I'm missing in all the conversations is why are they holding these parents um, accountable for these juveniles? Mm. Who the twelve year old a twelve a twelve year old child is after dark? Who doesn't know you're 13? And, 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 okay, you have to, and I understand that there are parents who are doing their best. Some are working two jobs and blah, blah, blah. But when your child starts getting into trouble and you don't address that, I think they need to hold these parents responsible. Hmm. Something has to happen that makes an example out of something because, I, you know, there has to be, first of all, I'm a native Washingtonian, okay? We grew up in the city. You cannot take all the resources out of a city or a section and leave these children with nothing to do, you know? If you come from a, a family that, you know, you have drug addict parents, blah, blah, blah. At this point, when you arrest a 12- and 13-year-old child and you basically take them home and there's no responsible person there, they need to be removed from that home. And if there are parents there, those parents need to be held responsible because until you start making an example out of something or someone I don't see change. Talk to cheap. We need some action. Mm. And we need to be proactive instead of reactive. Patricia, thank you so much. So, uh, Ayana, Patricia makes a really interesting point. The reporting 
and the the court records from the arraignment of the 12 year old boy who was allegedly involved in the uh, Capital One Arena carjacking. His mother turned him in, which is what Patricia was speaking about. That that required a lot of tough love in 2023 when you see your child in surveillance camera and you call the cops on on your child because it we we could venture to say that the mother is all of is is ready to do some corrective action via police your your thoughts about what that mother did and what patricia was just saying and, and like you said right she took responsibility and nowadays we don't have parents doing that tough loving you know why because they know see back in the day the adults were adulting and that was none of nobody else's business and they still took care of the parenting they, they still make sure the discipline was happening. Those children, you knew that you was getting up in the morning and that you were doing and taking care of yourself. And by the time those lights came in, you automatically knew there weren't no cell phones. We, they, th- these children grow up with book bags with no books in them. Mm. You, you, we, we are taking. They don't know how to play Red Rover. They don't do Simon Ooh, Says anymore. Those, <laughs> yes, yes. Those are the, th- those are the things. Those are the things that, you know, those little simple things. Like for instance, your grandmother used to say, "You say where is it? What she say? Over yonder." That meant <laughs> the cute way to keep looking until you found it. And my children say, they tell me all the time, my mother, I ain't the same. And do you know, I have that open door. My children come over my house all the time. I have four that I birthed. (laughs) But all the time, there is at least six children in my house somewhere. And it's amazing how no parents call me to see where their children are, what their children are doing, where who they at. My children don't go nowhere. I would have to stock your house, be out there. I'd be out there with Keith. We're going to stock the house, figure out what they're doing in order for you just to go over there. I need to know what these people, I ain't talked to these people. I don't know these people. But, but and, and I'll ask the same of you, Tia. Your, your thoughts it's about normal. what this mother did and why do you suppose that more parents aren't doing the same thing? Yeah, I I, I want to just say I definitely feel Miss Patricia's um, frustration and um, just high energy. I get it, and I'm a mom now. I use, I've been a community mom I think since I was ten years old. But just overlooking babies my whole life. You know, I'm the oldest. Um, I've just been motherly my whole life, but now being a mother of my own two, I understand the fear and the just the discontentment and the uneasiness. I will say um, the mom, the mother of this young man that we're using, it, uh, that we're talking about, is the model. She's the example. Instead of putting the repercussions in the city's hands, we need more parents modeling what she did. It took courage to say mm-hmm. he needed help, he needs help. Um, I, I realize this is my son, and I'm and I'm and I'm giving him over. But she's turning him over with intent for him to rehabilitate and heal mm-hmm. and come back better, better, better and stronger. 
And I'm just praying that we can trust in the system to do that. My work reflects, though, that we be proactive, and he does have a team around him doing care management, checking on him, um, you know, not curfew um, reinforcing his race, but a team of village, the grandparents, um, you know, everybody that, that we speak of. It was drug dealers, store owners, police, and pastors looking out for me and my peers, you know, and that, that way has just been lost. And we just have to bring it back, and we have to do it with compassion and understanding because right now the the, the critique and the, the, you know, the call for accountability is really just unfit and unjust. You have to have belonging and support and shelter and food and water and breath to be able to think about accountability, you know? But it shouldn't there... That's what Patricia was just saying about accountability. There's one thing for the long game, and and that's important. But right now, the short game, Tia, is an angry short game because the members of the community, well-meaning people who love their communities wherever they live, in D.C., in Prince George's and Montgomery, where, wherever, people are losing patience with the chaos and foolishness. And that is, you know, the, and I think that's what we're starting to, you know, I mean, that's what we're starting to see with, you know, the, the Federal Protective Service officer. Now, now certainly, yeah, he was armed. Uh, you know, he's a police officer, but in, but instead of getting out of the car yeah. and giving the kid the, the car keys, which he could have done and just let him go on his way, yep. he shot the kid. He took matters into his own hands. And, we and, saw that. Right. And, and I think, you know, we, we saw that. Uh, in in Bowie a, a while a while back, uh, where uh, it happened by the uh, the Bowie Health Center, where a guy was just sitting in his car waiting for someone, and three kids came out to carjack him, and he shot yeah. two of the three. Yeah. Instead instead of doing what the cops are saying, get out, give him the keys, save yourself. People are starting to fight back, and so and and that is putting everyone in a really really difficult and precarious situation so uh, yeah we I, I think we can talk about long ball we can talk about help but what what is what is the call for action from your perspective right here and now i still believe it's the support and the services you have to these young people have been um intervened have been intervened have been through a system have been touched by some agency and they failed them and so i think the same thing with parents it's it is the, right now we see a, a culture from the government of like a one cookie cutter approach or general approach when everyone's issue is so individualized that if we took the time to get them the attention, the need wouldn't be there, the fear wouldn't be there, and therefore the, the violent behavior wouldn't be there. Your thoughts, Keith? Let's go back to the the, the kids that got shot, the, the officer that shot two kids and the gentleman who shot the 12-year-old. 
Okay. You have to understand when something like that is happening and it's happening so fast right then at that moment, you can't tell. It's always easy to say afterwards, you know, what I could have, should I, and I should have done this and he should have done that. But it's no different than the gentleman who had gotten his first car. I think he was over his, over 30 years old, gotten his first car. Pumping gas at the gasoline station over there in um, Largo. Right, the guy who yeah the the guy who had the white BMW. Right, yes, gave him the car and they shot him anyway. So you can sit up there and say you know you should have just given it up. You didn't have to kill the kid, but you know it's a difference when you're in those shoes and you're and you're doing it for yourself. This is another reason why you know we 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 try to design we design this no black on black crime because it reaches out to these kids. Also, it, the, the program is set up for everybody to come together in your household with these events going around, going on around across town, across the United States. And the gentleman said, I really didn't understand what he was saying, but the gentleman said something about we have to clean up here first. Mm-hmm. We do have to clean up here, but you have to understand it's it's not just here. It's our family, our people. You know, when I have so many people saying, why black on black? Why are you doing a no black on black crime? Why not just no crime, period? Because before I come and clean your house. I have to make sure my house is clean. So and let me ask you about that because, and that that goes back to a really, really important point. And you know, the folks sitting at this table right now, Tia being the youngest one on the phone, but there was a time when Black Pride had to be instilled. And when you don't, how do you? talk about no black on black crime particularly for young people who have no self pride no who don't appear to have self respect or respect for life I, I and the reason i say that is because i remember when my father when i was a kid and my mother as well we you know black black history month was january through december Okay, and there was the instilling of of black pride, and yeah, that was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But I don't think it should matter. But if, I, but when you're talking about the issues with these young children today, um, I don't, anecdotally speaking, I don't believe that they have black pride because they. They are missing some other elements, Keith. But it went down the road. It, it, you have to understand, from the parent being a 16, 17-year-old parent, she wasn't able to learn that black pride. You understand what I'm saying? And as we go further, as we, as we go further along in life, we're losing more and more of our black pride and, uh, and a lot of other things, too. And as we do that, your kids are learning less. Their kids are learning less. And now when you try to reach them, it's not even just black pride. It's no respect. You try to tell a kid out there, I'm surprised that the kids didn't jump on jump on Which was, Yeah, I mean, when I got chills when that. you yeah. said that yeah. Ayana yeah. stepping out and, and to, to be bold enough and, to do and, that. and expressing concern for young kids who were, what's the term, roughhousing, and that's what you wanted to make sure that they were doing. But it... That could have gone left really fast. It could have. It could have. And and like I say, I just went through a training with DC Trust Fund as a black parent leader for DC. And like Harold was saying, we got to go back to instilling those principles. Kwanzaa, for instance, it shouldn't be just Kwanzaa. And I got off my mother after I went through this class. How could y'all... 
I couldn't believe that we don't celebrate Kwanzaa, which is was started in 1971 here for African-Americans. It's, and those things, I wanted to take my family back. We have to identify those principles, those disciplines will help us and shape us. And like I said, with that Family Patches Project, where we, we are taking care of that hurt, that trauma, that generational trauma, that's that's... That's where it really stems from. And if we don't learn and identify about who we are, we are stuck. And I believe that's why your movement, though, is so necessary and so important. There's no street rules anymore. There's no street rules at all. No street rules. They talk about keeping 100. No, some stuff and we don't need to know. Let me go back to the phone lines, 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Many calling from District Heights. Many thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Hi, this is just a uh, comment to our brother, Keith Turner. Mm-hmm. Let me first of all thank Mr. Turner for going forth with this No Black on Black Crime movement. We all in the United States a witness in this, and with hurting hearts, we're saying somebody needs to do something. Well, thank you, Mr. Turner, because you are doing something. Thank you. You have my 100% support, and I'm asking everyone to get involved, spread the word about the movement of no black-on-black crime. Keep your children close, discipline them, and be an example yourself, standing strong in love and unity. Pray and let Pray and let's move with this. Thank As you. black people, we can love and stand together. Let's show the world that we can do this, starting with today and showing forth with strong power and strength, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, no crime, and go forth with it. As Mr. Turner is alerting us, that it is time that we come together as one, and we can do this. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Turner, again, welcome. for your, for your uh, movement. I pray that God will continue to bless you to press forward, because if God be for you, who can be against you? So I declare and decree that victory is ours in Jesus' name. Love you so much, and God bless. Mm. Many thank you so much uh, for your phone call, 202-319-7810, We I Ayana, I did hear briefly from, from Keith, and Tia about the genesis of their work, but what's your story? Why are you so concerned about your community when you could go on about your business? I could, but that just wouldn't be me. It just wouldn't be me. And like I said, the community is my family. Like Mr. Keith said, we are here together. I believe in that village. We got it's the only way for families to really function um and raise children where they know that they are loved by each and every black person, any person that from their neighborhood. It's no neighbor it's no more candy lady. There's 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 nowhere for these children, especially if we are taking all these programs away from them to, to put the money elsewhere in D.C. and not give back to these wrecks, um, especially in the poor neighborhoods. Um, Marvin Gaye over there needs to be, it, it needs a, a, 
a nice remodel. And and the support there is great, especially during outside basketball season. I mean, it is great out there. But those children need something to do. They need something to do. And parents are at work, and then you're not allowed to do this. You're not my mother. You, you're not my father. And these children are just at home raising themselves, though. We don't have the big aunties, the grandmothers like it's supposed to do because they they are a lot younger now coming together, supporting that mother or father as as they're raising these children to give them that back support. And these parents really need to take responsibility for the actions that are happening. I know you got to work. I work, too. I got two jobs. I got four children, but my children know they know. They know about violence. My oldest son is in the military now. Before he left, he it was his decision on his, on his own to go. After mommy did send him to military school out there in Laurel. I sent him. At 15 years old, I sent my son. He no longer had that male and even though i was married at the time it was it was bad for us there my husband was going through so much and he wasn't the stepfather he needed to be for that son so therefore yes i sent him to school my some of my family members didn't talk to me but that man that that boy needed to grow up and understand that life is hard and that there are certain mommy not just being hard on you because i don't want you to live life there's some rules and regulations and the way we have to conduct ourselves. You can't go out here acting like that white boy off of Nickelodeon. You can't. <laughs> the, the repercussions of that for you are a lot worse. A lot worse. And he decided to go on to the uh, military on his own. He's an infantry soldier. But before he got in, he got armed robbed once. And then he thought the second one. And Anacostia for the first one. And then the second one was on in, in Hillcrest. He thought it was a snatch and grab. They had a van waiting, the door open and everything. Please, please call your call call them. Cause I need you to go because I didn't know what to do. What do I what do I tell my son to protect himself? I'm a m I don't know what to do. This is exactly what I was I, I was saying. You you are a mother and a good and maybe a good mother, you know. But you cannot teach your son how to be a man. And this is when they sit up there and they say, it takes a village to raise a child. Now, again, my father was murdered when I was young. So, but I cannot sit up there and say, you know what, I don't know what to do. You got resources around you. I pick up what I, what I, when I met this particular guy in my mom's life, I picked up the good things from him. When I, believe this or not, we, since we can adopt everything we want to adopt off of TV, when I saw Bill Cosby and I watched Bill Cosby, I learned how to talk to my family, how to relate to my kids without cursing, without doing all that dumb stuff with, with everybody that I'd seen growing up. You can apply to your life what you want to apply. Stop being a victim to yourself. Yeah. Let me go back to the phone lines, 202-319-7810. Reggie, calling from Suitland. Reggie, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Yeah, um... I, I think it's, it, it stems from home. Yep. Uh, I mean, you have to have some type of guidance at home. Okay, let's go back to the, the, the young man that just got killed, 13 years old, 12 years old. He already had nine charges when he was 12 years old. Why did it take that many charges? They should have been and just put him away. Give him some resources to help him. Now look what happened. He's dead. I mean, 
It's, it's, it just don't make no sense. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, Reggie, that for for a Bernard Tony Jr., the 13-year-old, the that he was not, he didn't just get lost last Saturday. He just didn't get lost when he was arrested for committing nine crimes in one day back in May. That is the evolution of being lost. He didn't, he didn't just, that didn't just happen to him in April. And as the mother who turned her 12-year-old son in, she said to detectives that her son had been having anger issues since he was five years old. So f from five to 12, that's, that's seven years of anger. And it's also been reported that she was trying to get him into programs. And so, again, we on this program just last night when we were talking about this, Reggie, we had a woman who called in, and God bless her for her, her wonderful transparency, when she said that her, her son, when he was a teenager, had carjacked someone and got arrested. And I said, I asked, did you have an opportunity to ask him why this happened? And her answer was, because everybody else was doing it. And... And I and I say I said last night and I say today, that's a problem. And this is a this is a Ayana ism because she would say this. And I said this last night. What did your father or your grandfather or your grandmother say to you? Oh, so just because everybody else is going to jump off the cliff and they pop you in the back of your head, you're going to jump off your cliff too? Right. But apparently there are a whole lot of people jumping off cliffs and hurting people while they're doing it. Reggie, thank you so much. Uh, Tia, I wanted to ask you something because you have been, obviously, as it relates to the Trigger Project, in a position of leadership, but there is no leadership without learning. What, have, what has the Trigger Project taught you about the situation that we are in right now with our young people? Everything that I've shared tonight really is a reflection of our philosophy that Gun violence is a public health crisis, a burden on all of us, and it is being treated only through a public safety lens. Um, the young man had shown risk factors just in the short conversation that was reported from the mom. She showed us that he had early aggressive behavior, maybe poor behavioral control, maybe high emotional distress. Those are risk factors for perpetration. And if she was trained or knowledgeable of that, if our government could respond to youth um, more holistically with, with that knowledge, with that research, we would not be here. Yeah. Has there, what has surprised you? Tia? Tia, can this you? Is, uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm saying, what, ha what has surprised you? We have a flock of, I call them my babies, but they are youth ambassadors. They are 
advocates for their peers, their leaders. We have hundreds of young people who walk every day in their path of peace and prevention. And it's really shocking to not be able to reward them with trips or, or like, resources or hoodie. I, we, you know, some of them don't even have shirts that say Trigger Project, but they walk in the absence of disease or gun violence, and they walk proudly like that, even in spite of their losses on top of losses on top of losses. And so a lot of what I'm speaking from is from me honoring their walk. You know, they're invisible until they pick up a gun or until they see it in our city. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair. I think that's a good place for us to uh, end this conversation, but um, I, I really want to thank you know all of you for not only coming on this program, but continuing the work that you were that you were doing. Ayanna Osborne, Keith Turner, Tia Bell, uh, certainly Keith. Good luck to you next month with your with your movement. Thank you, uh, Ayanna. Just be careful when you would approach yes, those sir. children out there. Um, you know, you're, you're giving love, but you, know, you don't always give love back. And, you know, Tia, you, you know how we do. You've been doing you've been doing the daggone thing for a while. Just uh, be safe and continue to do the thing that you're doing as well. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is The Daily Drum for this Thursday, November 2nd. I'm Harold Fisher. Good night.